1: Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And you are lucky enough, blessed enough, smiled upon by the Almighty enough to listen to this very exciting episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Wow. So is that part of like the Abrahamic covenant
2: where like God says, I'll bless you. I'll be your God. You'll be my people. You'll be, I'll make a great nation of you. And you get to listen to the Church Planner Podcast.
1: (laughs) It's what everybody should be doing right now. Listening to the Church Planner Podcast. So funny, uh, DJ from Refuge Long Beach, he just posted on Facebook, um, what exactly was the line? It was something along the lines of, if your life was a Facebook post, would God like it? Or would God press the like button? And Ruben put something like, "Uh, mine would be a meme, and I'm pretty sure I'd get a like and a share. (laughs) (laughs) Ruben is the best at one line comebacks. You you don't
2: mess with Ruben. <laughs> oh, dude, that just was don't just mess with him. He he will get you. I know no. there's times where I'll engage him for a little uh little playful, you know uh mano a mano. And I know he's it's it's like the soft touch. You know he's 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 got the gloves on. You know he's got the gloves out of respect. He's he's not letting me have it. But you know I I couldn't stand toe to toe with Ruben.
1: You know what's funny? I can't stand toe-to-toe with pretty much anybody.
2: No, that's good. That's, that's good. not my strength. Hey, you notice on my head, since we're doing this live, look at all these sunspots on my head. That's I thought weird. that was
1: little spots of cancer.
2: <laughs> no? <laughs> I think I think it's baby cancer.
1: Baby cancer. Yeah, yeah I think it You is. know, cancer is one of those things we're not supposed to make jokes about. I'm just going to... I know, but this is our friendship, right? I know, and people don't understand that.
2: I, I our, our friendship... You know, I, I was just telling someone the other... The other day, that did do, do you hear all that? Yeah, I don't. I mean, barely. I could hear something in the background. Gold leader got the chatter. So yeah, so you know, I was just telling someone the other day that when you've dealt with tons of death <laughs> and hardship, you you develop. You know, firefighter RN, You have to laugh, and it's not like you're laughing at that stuff. But uh, man, it's just you develop a very dark sense of humor because life is kind of dark. During that time, and you have to laugh in dark situations to blow that steam off. So i i have a
1: uh, i have a uh, how, how should I word this? I have a computerized uh, notification system to remind me when people's birthdays are coming up. Uh, yep. That's so. Probably- it reminds me a week out, and then it reminds me the day of. And then I get to decide, is this somebody I want to do something with, or do I just let it go and don't care about this person's birthday? You gave me the best present ever. Well, I haven't given it to you yet. So I get my notification that Peyton's birthday is coming up in a week, and this was, I don't know, a day or two ago. I'll wait till the next text or the next email that I get that says, hey, Peyton's Jones' birthday is today. And so I take a picture of it and I send it to Pete. And I go, just so you know, I'm giving you the biggest hug because they tell me I can't. I am the guy that when people tell you you can't do something, well, then that's exactly what I'm going to do. And if they tell me I have Absolutely. to do something, I'm not doing that. Like, I won't wear a mask in the store. I refuse to do it this because is, they tell me to. The,
2: this is the real reason Pete, by the way, is an entrepreneur. If you ever wondered why pizza, he will not work for anyone else.
1: Nobody, no one puts baby in the corner. Dude, no one puts this baby in the corner. That's for sure. (laughs) And what's funny about the whole mask thing, I am like the guy who would love to wear a mask everywhere because I don't want facial recognition. Knowing where I'm going and, you know, who's this guy? But it's like, well, they told me I have to do it. So I obviously can't wear a mask. Obviously.
2: Hmm. I
1: don't know about that though.
2: Sometimes people tell you to do, you know. But here's it. I guess it is. It is like a rule, right? It is kind of, and that does feel weird. But I'm doing it just because I don't want to hurt anybody. You know, like that. That's my deal.
1: I'm wearing the. I know you. You are a a much better person
2: than me. And I'm just saying. I, I'm like, hey, yeah, you told me that. That's on you. But if I don't wear it, that's on me. You know what I mean? Like if I hurt somebody or I
1: spread disease, it's then- because they told me I have to, it's <laughs> not because of anything else. It's literally when you command me to do something, I'm not going to do it.
2: You have to keep all of your money and not give any to Peyton.
1: Do you know? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how many times I've walked into a store without my shirt or shoes on? Do you know? Do you have any idea? I see that okay. sign out in front. I'm taking my shirt off and walking in.
2: Okay. So I had to change this joke for my children, but I told the ultimate dad joke this week and I have to share it. I had two. One was a woman was at her at her uh, husband's funeral and um, during the service, a man came up to her and whispered in her ear i'd like to say a word to which she said oh okay and so he goes up to the pulpit and he leans over and he says plethora and walks down and as he passes the lady she says that means a lot That's <laughs> so my bad. kids didn't get it because they didn't know what plethora meant right right but i told too i was like mickey taylor man i swatted two with one blow i i never remember jokes I remember one from when I was a kid, I'm never allowed to tell it, at least not till Jesus came in my life. But that's the only one I remember. I actually remember two. One involves a leprechaun in a bar. And that one I did tell my kids, and I can't. But uh, the other one was, and this is the one I had to modify for my kids to tell them. Um, A a little boy swallows 10 toy horses, and he goes into the hospital, (laughs) and the doctor the parent says, he swallowed 10 toy horses. I think he's going to die. So the doctor uh, takes him in for an x-ray and brings him out. And the mother says, what, what, how's he, what's his condition? And the doctor says, stable. It's so bad. Isn't that good? That's so bad. I, don't, I, I mean, those are dad jokes. So you know, you know that's a good dad joke. Because when it's a bad joke and you tell it to your kids, it's a good dad joke. Even if it's a bad joke for everyone else. When does a dad joke become
1: a dad joke? It, it's it, it's a bad all a dad joke is no 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 there's an answer you tell your kids. There's an answer. There's an answer. Yeah, yeah. When, when you it, tell it to your kids? When it becomes a parent.
2: <laughs> oh come on! I did it! Come on! So so this is what's great. You know, I met with uh Carrie Newhoff's team like a little while ago, like <laughs> a couple weeks ago for Exponential. And we were talking to him, and I was saying, you know, back in the day when Carrie when wasn't popular, and we say, oh, let's get that red-haired guy. What's his name again? And none of us could pronounce it. Therefore, none of us could remember it. So, And we even had him on a cover, and we're like, that red-haired guy. We had him on the cover. And, uh, and he was just kind of up and coming. Well, the hilarious thing about that is that um, we were talking to them, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, back – I was there when he came on, and back in the day I was helping him out. And, uh, and I was like, oh, cool. And I'm, and I told them, I confess, but I, I go, you know, it's so funny. Cause we were picking their brain and they're like, well, how did, how did you guys get your podcast for this? And I'm like, we don't even have a website because they're talking all, all about the SEO and all the things they did to promote it. And I'm like, no, no, you don't understand from day one. This podcast was a joke. Like we never took it serious. That's why it is the way it is. And I I think of our podcast as kind of like it has a cult following in the church planning world. It's not like we're, we're like big, we're not
1: mainstream, but it, we have a total cult following. And I find that hilarious. Do you remember how many times we'd be at a, a conference? Usually you, you'd be speaking <laughs> and someone would go. Back when I did those sort of things. M-O-G-I-V. <laughs> Yeah, like,
2: it was like this. It was kind of like when you watch uh, what's that um, that Christmas movie, The Polar Express, and it like uh, uh, no. can't relate. Really. You know? yeah, you better watch. Out. It like starts this like kind of quiet crowds. swell. I had near unto, nigh unto that experience with people in the audience going, M-O-G-I, it'd be kind of whispered. No one would say it loud and proud, but it would would kind of be this like unspoken secret handshake
1: amongst listeners. I still remember one of the best conferences. It was an exponential conference. It was in Florida. You asked me to attend your session that you were speaking at. Which happens. Happened in Long Beach this year. Well, you you were trying to fill the room. Uh, Pete, please, uh, (laughs) will you please come sit in my session? (laughs) So I'm at the conference, and here's the thing. If you're a new listener to the podcast, Peyton has gone off many a time about conference speakers, obviously for pastors, who won't crack the Bible open. And so we're in this meeting and I'm like, dude, he hasn't cracked the Bible open. We're almost at the end of this thing. And then you made it through the whole thing and didn't crack your Bible open. And I wanted to like stand up and go, "What? what is happening? He didn't crack the Bible. But then I was like, no, that'll get me into trouble with Peyton again.
2: You know, I have probably had a few moments like that and I am not proud about it. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, that always wigs me out. And it's not, it's not like one speaker here and there. But if I go through a, a hearing a dude and he hasn't once referenced a scripture or cracked a Bible, that, that's just weird to me. Sure. I, I didn't come to hear you, man. It's like Spurgeon. He had mounted in his pulpit a little plaque that said, please, sir, we would see Jesus, you know, from when they sought to see. And he had that plaque in there. So it always reminded him like, hey, they ain't here to see you. So rock and roll, man. It's so OG. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta, I gotta mix it up for the for the for the younger folk, you know, for the kids, for the millennials. Yeah, because I turn uh, forty-seven. I had to think about it because I thought all this year I was forty-seven. And you had to think about said, it no because hope. of dementia. Sure, gotcha. Oh, dude, so uh, so such a thing for me right now, such a thing. But hey, I got I got something that you don't know that I got to share with you. Let's hear. So, uh, this is from one of our listeners. His name is Chase L. Jones. And uh, so, he's getting a shout out because he messaged me on Facebook. He says, anyways, I've been meaning to, he has introductions, you know, pleasantries and whatnots, uh, which is what do we call them. We put them in the pleasantries and whatnot box. But he says, anyway, I've been meaning to send this to you for about a week now. I've been listening to the Church Planner podcast for almost three years now. And I want to say two things. Now, understand, I grew up, I cut my teeth as a young Christian listening to Dr. J. Vernon McGee, right? Like he was sure. on every morning as I was on my way to
1: school and, you know, you know, in my house, I, that's all we heard on the radio when we were going to school.
2: Oh man. That's so great. Now
1: I'll always believe if if you don't know J. Vernon McGee,
2: dang it. Just Google J. Vernon McGee.
1: Do you remember um, when he would talk about David and how many strings and he was against the guitar because it had too many strings or something like that? Oh, no, like, but I, no, I don't. But he
2: he would sit at his desk like like I am now, and he would just record um, commentaries on the Bible, and they put them on the radio. And in the old days, they were live. He had some bad experiences with that, which I cannot get into in case kids are listening. He said some things, that I'm just saying he used the old King James Version, and there was some parts in there about donkeys, and they didn't use that word, and his wife warned him. And uh, he was so nervous, he was so convinced he was going to get it wrong with Balaam's donkey that he let out a zinger on that broadcast. But really? he has since gone back and corrected it. Yeah. I can't, I can't tell you, but maybe if you Google that, that'll come up. I don't know. But he, w- he would be like, I've always believed. You know,
1: you actually sounded just like him right there. Yeah,
2: he goes. I mean, every day, every day we're getting to you, Chase L. Jones, but but I'm setting it up. But you know, every day, and he'd be like, "If Jesus was in the business today, he put Weber's bread out of business." That's it's what he said in regard. And then when he would get all excited, um, if you ever heard him preach on a Sunday, because they would also play him on Sundays, totally different animal. I mean, really. Yeah, he'd be like, when God says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. Like, it was like, it was like angry, like, like, like grudge preaching, like, boom, you know, like coming down the mountain, you know. But, anyways, what, what's bringing me to Jay Vernon McGee from this is the, the stinking, uh, this felt like, you know, when I'm reading it, it didn't feel this way last night, but when I'm reading it right now, it feels like the Bible bus. Dear Dr. McGee, there'd be that guy that would read it before you would get into preaching and be like, Dear Dr. McGee, I have been on the Bible bus now for three years. That that's that's what they they would call the Bible bus. If you were a listener, you became you were riding on the Bible bus. Do you remember this? I don't. Young people, non-Baptists, hear me now. You have missed out on this, the Bible bus with Jay Vernon, Doctor Doctor Vernon McGee. I've I've been on the Bible bus now for three years, and then they would share. During this time, I've understood the Word of God. So, anyways, nobody's ever going to say that to Pete and I, but
1: let me tell you what they will say. Here's what he said. Um, and I want to say two things. Uh, Ruben, by the way, is saying Pete needs to do a church planner podcast shout out with Jay Vernon McGee's voice. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
2: I'm Doctor J. Wait, okay, let me now that now that you tell me I got to do it. I can't do it. It's like Pete. You're telling me to do something. I can't do it. Um, they this no. I can't do it now. This is the the church planners podcast. No, I can't <laughs> no, do it now. You now. Just sound See, like a I hit. had him. I had him, and now he's gone because <laughs> you told me to do it. I can't. It just has to come out. All right. So uh, all right. So he says this. Don't delete me right after reading this, but. Dot, dot, dot. I have never seen Star Wars until this past May 4th, and I've been watching them all. I was told to watch them in this order, and he's doing it in the right way. I know you're machete, but four, five, six, one, two, three, Rogue, one, a oh, Rogue One, sorry, and then four through six again, and then seven, eight, nine. I'm about to start seven. But the reason I'm mentioning this is because I never knew all of the sounds that kick off each
1: episode were from Star Wars.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember
1: when when someone reached out to us, and I remember who it was, and they're like, (laughs) "Uh, I think that stuff might be copyrighted. And you're like... I don't think Disney's coming after us nope. for having nope. Star Wars sound bites. I say it's goes, fair use. It's fair use. He baby. goes, "I'm sitting there watching
2: and hear Jabba the Hutt, and I'm like, that sounds familiar. So I thought you'd like that. We did like that, and then, uh, and then he mentioned um, Episode three nine one, which uh, you know, speaking out about what's been going on with race issues, which. This yeah. week again, holy crap. Yeah. I know. Oh my gosh. Like, seriously, man, if you're out there and you are a member of the black community, I just want to say I am sorry for what you're going through right now. Like, man, and for people that are Hispanic and Asian Americans, like, literally, we see you too. And we know it's no picnic for you either, but holy crap. That. Like I'm still spinning and reeling from this one, and I can only imagine for those of you in the black community how you must be feeling right now. You know, just for it to just not stop and not let up. And, You know, I hate the media, and I know like there are times the media will will, will drive things. This is not that. Like this has just been what's there coming out, and thank God the media has been reporting on it. So, um, man. I just I I don't know, Pete. This one was tough for me this week. Um, yeah. That was tough. Did you watch the video? I did. Yeah, I did. And and he looked so much like a good friend of mine, Sam Dula, and sounded like him. I felt has like he I was been on the podcast. Him. Yeah, he has. Yeah, <laughs> funny enough, Sam and I doing it once where uh, we were out in downtown San Diego and we had to share
1: Apple earbuds. Now. Sam's like it. that's right I think man. I was on a I was on like a Skype call with you guys doing it oh my gosh and it was so awkward and you well, had to be close enough to, to him because you're sharing the ear- yeah
2: yeah. we're like cheek to cheek doing this podcast yeah. and uh, it was it was weird but um but you know he's a good friend of mine I love that dude so much and I felt like I was watching Sam get strangled to death by a by a cop's kneecap and that, that killed me man
1: well you know the interesting thing is I was I was. I saw some other pictures from the other side and three cops were on him. We just see the one with his his knee on his, his throat. Oh, wow. There was another cop on his torso and another cop on his legs. Oh my so god. It wasn't just the throat. I mean, it could have been pressure on his torso, um, keeping him from being able to breathe, as well as the uh the throat. It's insane, dude. It is. It's absolutely insane. <laughs> Well,
2: I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at the point now where I'm just like, okay, you know, if you're, if you're white and you're listening to this, you, you cannot be silent on this. And I don't even think it's, a, I, I think we have a duty as white brothers and sisters um, to stand with and for, like Jesus did, to stand with those who might find it difficult to stand for themselves. Because what happens when a black person stands up in the, the culture that we live in is, oh, there they go again, getting angry. You know, there, there they go again, getting, you know, playing the race card. It happened because he was black. Sure. When a white person stands up, and I know we just mentioned this, guys, it is so powerful. And I, I just, you have no idea how much it means to people in the black community to see white people stand up and say, enough, this is wrong. Because it validates what they have gone through all their life. So, um I'll I'll start getting super emotional if I keep talking about it, so I need to I need to probably stop.
1: Yeah. No, it's just uh it's it is what it is and it uh it's just becoming more and more obvious. Yeah. I mean, it was it was it was probably the most brutal thing I think I've ever seen. It was almost like, well, you all are telling us to get off of him, so we're staying on him. Like oh, yeah. That's literally exactly, what it felt yeah. like. Yeah. And yeah.
2: Yeah, it was, it was pride and ego. Um, very often within the the police, their their methodology is to be in control. You must always be in control because you are the police. So it, what gets sacrificed and what it, the reason things escalate is they're ta- If someone yells, you yelled louder. If someone escalates violence, you dominate and escalate higher. And so that's why things always go there rather than de-escalating, which we've talked before about yeah. the police in the UK where they're taught to de-escalate situations. They don't carry guns around. There are like in airports and there are special times where guns are, are carried, but, um, but they are taught a very different approach, uh, much like when I was a psych nurse. If they talk loud, we lower our voice. To de-escalate. You know, it's a completely different way of training. And in America, just at some point, someone needs to address this and say, the way you are doing it is wrong. It goes against human nature. You know, it, it's not how human beings or psychology works. Yeah. And of course, you're going to be hurting people and you're going to be brutalizing people because you are the one escalating the situation. The one with all the power and control to maintain your control, so it's 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 a problem. Yeah, and if you're saying you're scared for your life and you're a police officer, then you probably should choose another profession. Yeah, um, if you're not willing to put your life on the line to protect and to serve, which is what the 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 whole thing is about police officers, then um, it's like it's like telling a soldier, oh, that was okay. You blew away those kids and women because you were in fear for your life. Um, again, my brother has repeatedly as a soldier, a combat veteran said, we don't get away with that on foreign soil. How police get away with that with their own U.S. citizens is beyond me because he goes, I'd be court-martialed for any, like, we can't even touch that degree of abuse of people as soldiers in another country. So,
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's coming to light, man. It's coming yeah. to light.
2: And I did not mean to bring us into uh, that topic, but um, but probably probably a good thing. Just stand with our brothers, unity in the body of Christ. So, hey, um, Pete, uh, so our topic today, if we can get into it, are you ready? Our I topic, if, if you can receive it, is um, we're going to talk about the way back. Like, here we are, you
1: know, we're all... Oh, Uh, before we get to the topic, going back to your Star Wars. So this quarantine, as a family, we've watched every Marvel movie. And then we started Star Wars because my wife hasn't seen them all. So they made me watch the first three. I would have done Machete. They made me do it. So we did the first three. Then we did Solo. Then we did Rogue One. Then four, five, and six, and we just started seven last night. We'll probably finish seven tonight or tomorrow night. Have you seen? It's called something like the
2: Studio or something like that, but it's um, it's on Disney Plus and it's a documentary about the making of the Mandalorian.
1: And Dave, Filoni, yeah the the gallery. I've seen it, but no, oh I have not watched it. Dave, and Filoni, don't plan on it.
2: Dave Filoni was the guy that Lucas has kind of discipled and taken it like he is. He is the heir apparent right, of the Star Wars franchise. So they're going to make him creative director. I know him and uh, Dave Favreau are, are, are currently tag team in it. But Dave Filoni sat there in one of those, and he talks about the duel of the fates. That that um, he, he says, you know, Qui-Gon, and th- this is so amazing. He goes, Qui-Gon was different than the other Jedi. They kind of tell you that in the beginning. He's more emotional. He's kind of more like Anakin, um, but he's kind of reined it in. And um, the other Jedi don't trust him. They don't really listen to him. And Qui-Gon ends up, um, he's trying to be a father to Anakin, the father that Anakin doesn't have. He's going to guide him by being his father. And Dave Filoni points out that the difference between Obi-Wan is Obi-Wan can only ever be a brother to him, um, whereas Qui-Gon was going to be like his father. So the reason that song is called Duel of the Fates is that it's pitting the dark side's fate for Anakin against the light side's fate for Anakin. So if if Qui-Gon had won the fate, the battle with Darth Maul, he would have been the father that Anakin never had and would have raised him, Anakin would have never turned to the dark side. That because the whole franchise is about fatherhood, right? So that was mind blowing to me. So, the duel of the fates is it's the fate of Anakin in that one battle. So, when Qui-Gon gets killed, it sets the trajectory of Anakin's life. Interesting. And Palpatine becomes that father figure to him.
1: How how, how did I not see this before? You know?
2: Well, maybe it's because, because
1: it was such a bad series.
2: I was going to say maybe because Lucas kind of... Uh, but I, I have a love in my heart for one and three. I know. I know. Not to. one in three. I, I just think the family. one. Okay. What? Like numeral one. It's hard to, it is hard to watch, but the art in it. I can't do a podcast so with you
1: anymore. Seven years and we're done. I got to close
2: my door. Sorry. You're only listening to the very professional church planner podcast and they're
1: installing carpet in the next room. Hold on. Should I, should I do a song for everybody? Maybe I should just, you know,
2: you know on the podcast they can't it's like in space no one can hear you
1: scream on the podcast no no, but i'm looking at people who are watching us so i'm giving them a a little show
2: that's so funny so um so anyways yeah man so uh yeah anyways so the way back should we uh, great scott it's time for this week's topic
1: oh that's right ben bisco actually said great scott i
2: guess we got to do that by by end. Oh, by the way, in Britain, we we lived on this road where this guy would, uh, he would deliver things and he would, he would, when
1: you d- hand deliver something, you... Everybody like, loves a good film about trade negotiations. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Is that Ruben? No, that was uh, Jonathan Nicholas. Oh, it's funny. Trade negotiations. That's so funny.
2: Uh, yes. So, uh, but anyways, the art direction and Darth Maul was so rad. Like the art in that thing, I think people underestimate how radical that film was when it came out. Which it one? Really? was Phantom Menace? We had never seen that amount of CGI in anything, and we had also never, uh, like, they had whole. I remember Watto, the little dude that you know, uh, you know, like the guy with the he's blue and he flies yeah. around. Yeah, I mean, he was dumb. But the the idea that
1: a whole character could be
2: CGI was mind-blowing back then. Those droids. I man, can't believe you're things. actually
1: talking about this. I, oh, my gosh. Like I, the worst movie. Well, I don't know. that Which one was the second one in the new series? That one was bad. That was um, Attack of the Clones. No, 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 no. I mean, in the new series. Oh,
2: Last Jedi.
1: Was that the last? Yeah, yeah. I mean, those two movies are just the worst. But you know what? The thing is, is when
2: I saw the last one... It, how did this happen? But it made the last Jedi not look so.
1: Pretty. No, it didn't. Come on, a slow speed chase in space. I know it was terrible. Come on. Uh, oh, hey, I know. I'm sorry, boy. Hey, that heard. was oh, that's Church Planner I, podcast.
2: I burped on through the word to make a point. I was talking about how in uh, first There's like hundred thousand people. We're never going to that. get to our topic today. We're never going to get to the topic. Yeah, I guess you have to tune in. Uh, you're you're screwed. There is no way back from this. There's no way back. <laughs> the pandemic will dominate forever will it dominate your destiny um so okay back to star wars so uh, uh anyways no but i burped on the uh uh through the word broadcast cuz i'm in first chronicles and i was talking about how in um chronicles did i tell you this how they they gloss over all of david's sins unlike you know first and second samuel no Can we talk about this no uh-uh. so first chronicles presents david and solomon as types of the messiah but they have to put one sin in there for them so uh anyways but um but i burped to make a point it was actually a sermon illustration it was so i wasn't sure i was gonna do it and then i just kept it in so it was a legitimate burp too i was was one of my prouder moments in teaching the bible oh my gosh
1: great scott it's time for this week's topic let's get down to the nitty-gritty
2: all right, away we swing the trajectory from our bodily functions and into what's going to happen with your local body, the church. See what I did there? That was a segue. If only that was a commercial, that would have been the hotness, and you know it. Don't even argue with me. So, okay, guys, so here's the deal. Um, what's the way back? So you've been, you've been pandemic, and let's, let's just go over what's happened over the last few months. Um, we've been on lockdown. Right. Pete has not been wearing his mask. Naughty boy.
1: And what has happened. And I go shopping and I go to a black market hair salon. I uh, Anything they tell me I can't do, that's what I'm doing.
2: If it's a speakeasy, I'm there. Pretty so, uh, you know, it, it, and and so I only say that to poke the bear a bit. But here's the thing. Um, so far, what, what initially happened is everyone panicked because it was like taking the toys away from leaders. All of a sudden. People, people, butts and seats, and bucks in the bucket. Those were going away, and so everybody panicked. And what happened was, after a few weeks, people are like, as they do, which we used to say with emoji, uh, they, they're not our sponsor anymore, so I won't say it. But we used to tell people, your giving will most likely double if you go to online giving, and people saw that. That happens. It's a phenomenon. So. They went to online giving and their viewership went up. Well, here's what was happening. People were at home and I do, I do agree. It probably reached more people, but I think it reached more Christians, right? There's not a filter on there to tell you uh, who you can reach and who you can't reach. But when you put it out on Facebook, someone's scrolling through Facebook and they go, oh, oh, I've never heard Bob preach and I've always wanted to, you know, but I don't, I can't be bothered to go to his church. So they watch for 10 minutes and hear what you're like and hear what you have to say. Well, on the other side of the screen, preachers got super, oh, you know, our our giving went up and our viewership went up. And dadgummit, if that were preaching, you'd be a lucky man or a woman. But here's the thing. That ain't church. And like I've said it a million times, if you can do it online, it probably isn't church. Right? There's just certain things that need to be done in person, like procreating, right, or uh giving Pete a hug, right? I can't really give him a virtual hug, so I'm kind of expecting another present.
1: I'm just saying <laughs> we're friends, we could talk like this, no, I'm not I'm just saying. I've never hugged a man in my entire life, but can't I will wait. because they told me I can. not Can we film it? Like, can I? Can I have it like framed? I think it should be a Facebook Live. You know, maybe slow mo so Facebook should. Live. Come yeah. in, <laughs> come on in,
2: come to <laughs> Papa. I can't wait. So, so here's a, and, and I would accept that as as the ultimate gift for me um, because that would come straight from your rebellion and
1: not your heart, and it, it would mean more to me. That way. So Ben wants to know when are we going to start procreating in church? <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, we tried naked Sundays, man, and it just didn't
1: work. They told me I have to wear clothes at church, and I won't do it anymore.
2: <laughs> you have to wear clothes this Sunday, Pete. So uh, here's the thing: um, my my big deal about this is that the opportunity to go back, taking the statement that I just made—that if you could do it online, it probably weren't church. Um, I would challenge you. What are the things you have not been able to do and why not major on those things? Like since Ben popped in and he's a very prophetic fellow, why not uh, go towards the gifts of the spirit a little bit more? Why not go interactive in your church? Why not? Like all the things that you couldn't do, right? Like this is my thought. My thought is once they had a taste, if you've been doing Zoom with your people for like small groups and stuff, catch out of the bag, people experience that now. They're like, I want to do that, and they're going to keep looking for that. What's happened during the pandemic is we we've come up with these terms, uh, essential and non-essential, and I would argue that if this is what you think church is, you're you have just accelerated your church to becoming non-essential. Because the average person, the reason the viewership declined in the last couple, like,
1: last year Yeah, it was Barna came out and said, what was it, like, 48% in the last four weeks? Yeah, it went down. is because people are going, I don't really need that. Like, I'm getting interaction all the time. I don't got to watch a show. Yeah, think about it like this. To me, I'm like, we could have always watched church on TV. There's always been televangelists. And why didn't America just go do that? Because it's not church. But all of a sudden, because it's now on Facebook, we're like, "Oh no, this is church." Right? It's not. No, it's not. And and so here's kind of the thing:
2: is if you if you end up um, thinking about it, you will be non-essential. Movie theaters right now became non-essential. I can now rent movies from my house. What what I don't think leaders are seeing is what's really happening. Um, we are not able to now get to a point where, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're not going to be able to, sorry, someone's, someone's uh, texting me right now, and it's, it's freaking me out. So <clears throat> tell Barry to knock it off. <laughs> yeah. So what's happening is,
1: it, it's screwing me up. I'm sorry. I, I can't even pretend. It's okay. Up. Uh, churches became reset. non-essential or uh, uh, movie theaters became non-essential. Pick it, up, like, pick it back up, pick it back up,
2: pick it back up. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm trying to think of what cartoon that is where they crank them up or they give them a kick or something. Woo, I'm back. So, yeah, so what what's happening is kind of like in Britain, right? Where like uh, we're becoming non essential. So people came to church back when the passion came out and all that. They were moved by that stuff, 9 11. Then they came to church, saw what we were offering, and church declined radically. After each of those events, because people are like, oh, I've been there. I tried it. I don't know what they were doing. Here's the thing. This is the time to go fast and furious for the gospel. This is the time to not hold back. And the gospel needs to be first. If you have a bunch of eyeballs on you, stop trying to be funny. Stop trying to be charming. Stop trying to get people to your church and start preaching the hardcore gospel. Right. That is where the power of God lay. And if you were given this opportunity and you miss it, then you are blowing it because this was your one shot to see people saved. And so that's the thing that for me, I'm looking at going with that. If you've got a decline in attendance, you were giving them something that they could get somewhere else. right? And I just think that the gospel, you would have hooked people with that. And I'm not saying, if you saw a decline, you're for sure not preaching the gospel. But again, the amount of times I've heard pastors saying, hey, this actually turned out all right, because money's coming in and the eyeballs were on them. Those cannot be your metrics of success, right? And I'm I'm scared that not only during this time, it could have been a great opportunity for the church. The church has regressed because leaders have regressed even further. And I'm actually scared because I see a big decline, a bigger decline, because I think people are drawing the equation. If this is what church is, I now deem you non-essential.
1: I think, um, I I would say that if churches are, I only got to be careful how I say this. If churches are saying, okay, giving is still coming in. I really question where, Who is that church attracting to it? Because (laughs) whose income hasn't been affected during this? People who are deemed essential? Eh, Yes. But also people who are um, already making a lot of money and can do all their stuff virtually, but that's not the bulk of the people. Like We've got a third of the working population out of work right now a third of America out of work. And if you're going to tell me that that person is still tithing on income they're not receiving, then that means they're not going to your church because that's not happening. That's not going to happen in the real world. So that's a third of America. That's not going to a church. If they're all saying, Oh, our income still, still up. Yeah.
2: Well, you know, it's funny. I, I've so far just been hearing people that are on unemployment saying, I'm actually doing okay. I might be doing Dude, better than I was doing before. So I
1: told my wife, man, I'm like, you are not going back to work if you're going to get this extra 600 a week, because that's way better. But I, I just can't. doubt people are going to be tithing on that. Right, right.
2: Yeah, it's scary times. People freeze up. I mean, I, I would never have become bivocational if it weren't for this. So, so here's the thing. We're a little short on time today, but here's the reality. If you would make a list of all the things you couldn't do in church because of the pandemic and you wrote those down and you made that your strategy for when you go back and you told people it's going to be different going back because we realize these are things that are valuable, things that can't be done online, and you were able to go back, now is the opportunity and it's not too late yet. But you've got to be intentional about this to go back and to do things like small groups in church. Highly interactive. Church Zero talks about this. Cha-ching! Which I now own the rights to, by the way. Did you? You um, got it? I, I absolutely own the rights. So I'm 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 trying to scramble my brain to figure out what to do with that book
1: now. Uh first we could redesign the cover so people oh, could actually oh, read what happening. the title is. That is
2: happening for sure. So, yeah, I almost mixed it into this new book, but Are you just, still going to call it Church Zero? I you know, I'm wondering about that. If if I do, I would change the subtitle. So, What was I don't the know. subtitle? Um, Raising First Century Churches out of the Ashes of the 21st Century Church, oh, okay. which is a great title, but it had this whole idea of a building that was collapsing. Uh, it, believe it or not, it was 9/11. That was the imagery. Um, in fact, if you go in the print copy, you can see the images of um, the building that, like Ground Zero, Church Zero, restarting, rebuilding the twin towers, kind of thing. But um, yada yada. So, but uh, it, it, it didn't really get communicated in the book um, that that's what it was. But that was their concept. So, but uh, Church Zero was just a dumb name. Let's be honest. So guys, um, today, you know, just, uh, write down and, and here's the thing. Kerry Newhoff brought up a really good point. And that is that if you're thinking that don't just start crafting that yourself, get your team involved, talk to your team, see what they think, see what they're thinking about this stuff. What, what have they missed? You know, bring your whole team in on the vision and then bring the church in on it. And, uh, and that would be it. I can't, I could give you like, play by play, this is what I would do. But um, yeah, I mean, really, I think everybody's got to figure that out for themselves.
1: I thought it was really interesting. Um, So last Sunday, a lot of churches locally opened up because of what the president said. And then, you know, our governor still says, no, you can't meet in church. And they were like, nope, president said we can do it. We're doing it. And um, I thought it was interesting because I just got an email from A local mega church, one that you and I are both really familiar with, and they said that okay, well, the state you know finally said we can meet, but they gave us some rules and we can't have more than a hundred people. So good news, you know, the virus doesn't spread more than a hundred people, so that's you know that's pretty cool. But the whole time I'm thinking, okay, you got like twenty five hundred people at that church, Mm. like a hundred people, and they're like, oh, we add an extra service. Okay, so I think they had maybe three or four services before. So you added five, that's 500 people. I'm partially looking at that going, hey, this could be God's way of saying, hey, you know, let's get back to the basics here. Like uh, uh, Hector Mora, he just typed in something kind of interesting. He goes, we may go to the house church model and still do Sundays virtually. House churches will only be for those who feel comfortable. And I find that really, really interesting because I mean, that's like Dan Sam's. They've been doing a house church model for years. That's their whole model. Then they meet once as a as they get all the house churches together, and they meet once a, a, a month as a you know a corporate church, if you want to even call it that. Right. But I love the house church model personally. Yeah, I think here. it's a lot more intimate
2: yeah i do too and you know as as i get ready to plant out again which i keep saying that i know but i keep getting interrupted by things like textbooks and you know right now i'm working for exponential and they've been like oh no you can totally plant while you work for us but i'm not crazy so um, you're just not
1: going to have any time to do it but you can well, totally exactly. do it
2: well here here's that that's that's 100 percent right i've got to focus on this um you know and uh you know, it's, it's, it's good, but um, I will start training in September in the San Diego area. If you're interested and you want to come to that, um, you can go ahead and um, just, you know, grab me on Facebook and talk to me there. I will start um, sending stuff on my, my email newsletter, which ministryninja.com. If you haven't been there, you can go check that out. And uh, but I'm gonna start training in San Diego again. So that that's kind of my big deal, and that's tied in with my church plan in a weird way, uh, which eh, maybe one of these future episodes we can talk about what the plan is and you know what that's gonna look like. Because I, I I got a big I got a big thing about local networks right now and the power of those, and I because I see them in the scripture and I see Paul using them. But with that, what I wanted to do was to ask you, um, Pete. When you're busy, you know, define the government, um, particularly as, a, as someone involved with the church plant, um, how, how, how are you going to do all of your financial needs if you're a pastor?
1: Uh, I'm glad you asked. I go to MoGiv. Wait, no, no, sorry. Wrong sponsor. <laughs> Simplifychurch.com. We should, you should just say, I don't go to MoGiv. Where I don't I go to Mogive anymore. In fact, it was funny we had someone reach out to us. Hey, uh you were talking you were talking smack about an old sponsor of yours. Does it happen to be you know such and such cuz their their service has really fallen off and we're like, yeah, they got sold. Their their service is not like it used to be. <laughs> But that was pretty funny. But uh, 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 anyway, back to your back to your commercial plug, uh, Simplify Church, Peyton. That's who I lean on to help me with all my payroll needs, my IRS compliance, my uh, tax statements, all that stuff. Simplifychurch.com. Wow. wow, that's that's when I'm really shocked.
2: I say that, but uh, well, hey man, you know what? It's been good, and it's been really good talking Star Wars with you, most of today, and uh, screwing around, and talking a little bit about church planning. But church planner. If you're out there today, hopefully we were able to brighten your life a little bit, make you laugh, make you think, and, uh, you know, in our own special way, make you a little angry about things. That's our goal. <laughs> but in your anger, do not sin. By the way, I read Psalm 4 yesterday uh, with my wife. Uh, man, what a Psalm. I'm just saying that David has his greatest hits, and that's one of them. But I digress, So, which is better than blaspheming, which I think we were doing at the very begin, beginning of the – Should I just stop? I'll just stop. This has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell on the Church Planner Podcast reminding you if you want to reach the ones no one's reaching, uh, you got to go where nobody's going. Seven years on and dementia setting in and do what nobody's doing.